0: today on Laura Lynn and Friends.
1: So somebody can be sitting out, parked on the curb outside your home and they're inside your network because you're not using a safe encryption protocol.
0: Well, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn and It's awesome to be with you. I love to start my shows by reading from my father's Bible. He underlined it from stem to stern, and uh, and um, this is what he underlined. So I literally just flipped it open to Jeremiah chapter 2, and uh, this is what my dad has underlined. And it's, uh, it's funny, he has a little green. Isn't that funny? This probably has my dad's fingerprints on it, so I'll just leave it there. <laughs> I miss him a lot. It's just so interesting to go into his Bible to, to see what he found important to underline. So I flipped it open, Jeremiah 2, 11. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? Question mark. These are small g's. But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, the Lord. saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. My dad wrote beside this, he said, sin does not work. So he must have been having some thoughts about that. You know, the prophet Jeremiah, it says about his life that he lived a tortured life because he <laughs> he was constantly running around trying to let Israel know that they needed to stop sinning, stop doing stuff uh, that was wrong before God. and uh, And yet there were times when Israel would do what was right. And then there were times when they failed miserably. And so we're going to talk about an interesting thing um, that is uh, cyber security and I- issues of security, um, especially in relation to the Palestinian uh, and Israeli conflict. Today we're joined by Cyrus Noriala, CEO of Cywest Communications, a cybersecurity company. Uh, he's an expert in cybersecurity and can speak to possible strategies and tactics that we could expect to see in the declared war in the Middle East. And so this is gonna be quite interesting. Um, welcome to the show, Cyrus. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, your name, it's its a very biblical name, actually. Uh, we kind of talked before the show. Cyrus uh, is a well-known, he, he was a king, I believe, in Isaiah 45. In fact, Donald Trump um, has been called uh, like a Cyrus. Um, you know, as so named by Netanyahu. So that's interesting. So this is actually your name from birth.
1: Yeah, that's actually my name from birth. Uh, Although I don't think I measure up to the original.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, probably very few of us do. But Cyrus was, uh, you know, he didn't really know God. And it said that God kind of took somebody that was, I guess, had certain qualities and brought them in as a king. And they, they were very... Uh, you know, good with Israel, brought God back and, and, uh, you know, brought protection to Israel. So very interesting that uh, you'd be named that in any case. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, You were, uh, you're of Iranian descent, I believe, uh, but do you live in the United States now or or where do you call home?
1: Yeah, I live in the United States. Uh, My parents uh, immigrated, uh, my father immigrated from Iran Uh, back in 1964. My mother immigrated from Greece uh, back in, I want to say, 1957. Uh, She actually immigrated twice. She came once when she was 13, went back to Greece, and then came back again, which is why I get those years a little mixed up. But uh, they met in Los Angeles, and uh, long story short, here I am.
0: Wow. So we are are very... In a very difficult time in history, uh, I guess we're the closest to World War III, some saying, than we've ever been. Uh, We've got the Russia conflict heating up recently, Biden giving 200 million more dollars to the Ukraine. Uh, We've got this growing battle in the Middle East that is, uh, you know, very upsetting. We have the October 7th attacks and and outfall from that. Um, As a cyber expert who deals in all of these things, you have a few opinions basically um, uh, on on all of this and and maybe as it relates to humanity and how important security is, uh, I want to ask you one thing at the start of this because we've been really covering all of the people that are coming in the southern border. Uh, What do you think about that, which is going on at the southern border of your country right now?
1: I think it's part of the agenda that was declared uh, quite some time ago, which is the replacement theory. I think that uh, in a lot of ways, um, our government and also the global governments, which are pretty much in cahoots with each other, are finding it more and more difficult to deal with a population, especially like that of the United States in which we are so used to individual freedoms, we're used to our individual rights, our second amendment and so forth. And we're becoming a lot more knowledgeable uh, than we used to be uh, in this internet age, at least uh, a good portion of us. And so they're bringing in a a citizenry or a uh, a group of migrants as they like to call them uh, that are uneducated for the most part uh do not see the larger picture like we do they're not very techno- technologically savvy and uh you know they're kind of uh, repeating the the uh, bringing in of the Europeans uh through Ellis Island and uh bringing in the the new crop of masses that they want to control
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm Um, The recent reports of thousands and thousands of young Chinese able-bodied men without uh, women, is that a bit of a concern to you?
1: Absolutely. I think there are multiple sleeper cells around the country. I think uh, we're, we're fighting a different kind of war than what we're used to. We're fighting a psychological war and we're fighting a war that is not overt in that We're not seeing planes crossing the skies and dropping bombs, but yet we are seeing hundreds of food processing plants going up in smoke. We're seeing attacks on our grid system. We're seeing attacks um, on infrastructure. And this movement of peoples is just an attempt to erase the borders, get us to that one world government that most of us are reading about.
0: Yeah. Are, are you talking like Agenda 2030 or Agenda 2050 since they're a bit behind now? It uh, seems that the, that maybe all of the information that folks like yourself are putting out is is uh, not helpful in the agenda barreling forward, um, w- which is a good thing. Do you think that uh, through information that you're able to share and others that uh, we're, we're able to be wiser and therefore we can protect ourselves better from... Uh, globalist agendas to harm us?
1: Yeah, and I think also our military personnel, they're not apt to attack their own citizenry. Uh, That's just not part of the makeup of the United States from its inception. And so bringing in these sleeper cells and potentially even UN troops um, would bring individuals into a position like a military personnel that have no affinity for the American people. And we're already seeing this in the United States. The, the uh, Democrats are talking about giving the illegals citizenship as long as they serve in the U.S. military.
0: Hmm. Tell me about your background. So how did you get into uh, cybersecurity and, and how did that become Uh, I don't know if it's your career at this point or an interest to you.
1: Um, Well, I started um, a company called Cywest Communications about 26 years ago. Uh, I've been in the telecom industry since 1987, and we were largely um, working in the telecommunications area uh, specifically. And with telecommunications, there were always uh, security issues, monitoring issues and things of that nature. So our company started developing monitoring systems that carriers would utilize in order to make sure that they could be proactive in terms of some of their connections. And we could tell them when cards were going to fail and things of that nature. Um, Communications then morphed into cloud uh, infrastructures. And so we provide cloud networks for our clients as well as the communications to those cloud networks. So now we're not only managing the communications, but we're managing the data, the storage of that data, the transport of that data, and all of those carry with it a, a security component that we need to be cognizant of.
0: Mm. Do you think that we're in danger uh, in North America of uh, having no privacy at all with the way that they're trying to set everything up?
1: I think we're already there. Uh, I think that ship has sailed a long time ago. Uh, there are a lot of things you can try to do to keep your privacy. Um, however, they've convinced us and they've also priced certain communications products out of the market to get us all on this thing we call the internet, which is just a public uh, network that is connecting everybody and i know that people feel secure in the fact that they're using uh, protocols uh, to encrypt information as it's going back and forth but the truth is uh, i'm not sure about the canadian government but at least in the united states it's illegal for us to transmit an encryption protocol that the government doesn't have a back door to so Mm -hmm. the idea that you are encrypting your information and it's going across these major carrier networks, uh, which is then being stored because um, outfits like the NSA, they have appliances at the edges of these networks uh, in which everything is being replicated to an NSA data center facility and stored away and archived. And even the information that's encrypted can be opened up um, by the government. And given the the breach in government information to countries like China, I doubt that our government is the only one with the, um, the backdoor to those encryption protocols. If you want to learn more about that, you can look up um, a person by the name of Zimmerman who was a computer science uh, professor over at MIT. In 1991, he published uh, a program, an encryption protocol called PGP, or Pretty Good Privacy. He was uh, very quickly approached by the United States government and threatened with jail. So then he came out with version 2.0, uh, which gave them the back door. Uh, 1.0 to this day has never been broken. So if you're one of the old uh, computer guys like me back in the day, you may have a copy of PGP 1.0 and and you may be able to encrypt your data and keep it completely private. The only caveat, though, is you can't transmit that encrypted data because, again, that's illegal to do across the Internet.
0: So um, so that is illegal. And this is very technical. So I wouldn't even have the first idea about how to do that, right? So this only really applies to very high-level engineering communication experts, I guess, that would have this knowledge, like perhaps yourself knowing how to to do that, but it's illegal so you can't do it. But would they find it if you did it or only if they were searching for it?
1: Yeah, they could find it. Um, If they saw there was information that they could not decipher or break into, then they would know that that's an encryption protocol that is illegal. And, you know, so if they can't get you technologically, which in a lot of cases they can't because, uh, you know, there are people, there are private citizens like myself, and there are some private citizens who are, you know, much smarter than the government, and they figure out ways to do things in order to protect their information. Uh, so if they can't get you technologically, they'll get you through the court system or, or through some legal means, and that just kind of hampers or hamstrings your ability to do certain things unless you're willing to take those chances.
0: So common folk like me are told that like WhatsApp and Signal are encrypted, and that you know no one can read them at the headquarters of WhatsApp or whoever's running Signal. Is that the case?
1: No. um, You should assume that your information is out in the open. And you have to realize as well that when you go on WhatsApp or you go on Signal, you're not just having a two-way conversation between your device and the recipient's device. You're actually hitting their servers and then that information is going to the recipient's device. So all, everything you're typing, everything you're doing is going on either WhatsApp or Signal servers. WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. We already know what Facebook is doing with people's information. And Signal was actually funded by InQtel, which is the funding mechanism for the CIA. So you can put two and two together.
0: <laughs> right, right. Okay, so I want to ask you a strange question just because it comes to my mind, but you know how we've got cameras on our phones. Do you think that people can access our cameras when we don't know it and can see us?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, That is, that has, that's well known. In fact, on my phone, uh, I can even show you. Yeah. I don't know if you can see this. I don't want to, but... Somebody makes a product. Can you see that little divot there?
0: Yes, yeah. Yes, okay. I can. Yeah, when you put your hand on it that's there. A
1: door, that's a door that I can open for my camera. Yeah. Otherwise, my camera is always closed.
0: Wow. So where um, do we get that?
1: You can go on Amazon. Uh, okay. You, know, you JT? can get a pack of six That's what I want so.
0: for Christmas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you can put that on there. Uh, there was a, um, a YouTube video of a couple of years ago showing on iPhone how with a black light how the iPhone is taking a snapshot every 5 minutes um so and the NSA facility has enough storage capacity to and processing power to watch everybody on video
0: and and are they able to hear us as well
1: Yeah uh the same as uh, when you invoke Siri or you invoke any of these, you know, Alexa, whatever. Um, in fact, I can tell you, if you want to go to the verge.com, they had an article a few years ago and, uh, this entrepreneurial couple was, they were having a conversation at home and one of their employees called them up and said, you need to unplug all of those Alexa devices in your house. And they said, well, why? And they, he said, I just heard your entire conversation that you had a half an hour ago. They said, no, you didn't. They didn't believe him. He said, you were just talking about replacing the floor with this type of tile in this room. Uh, and they said, oh my gosh, how did you hear that? He said, I received an email with a WAV file attached with your entire conversation on it. So the verge went to the reporter, went to Amazon and asked them about this. And Amazon admitted there was a bug where their contacts were emailed the entire conversation, but nobody addressed the elephant in the room, which is why was the conversation recorded in the first place? Why was it archived on Amazon servers in order to send it via an email? So these devices, they have convinced us to put bugging devices in our pockets, in our homes, and everything else around us.
0: I mean, we're literally we're literally giving them the eyes and ears to our entire life. Yes. And most of us have our phones beside our bed. Uh, you know, so they're hearing all the private talk between you and your husband, whatever else is going on. And, and you've got these phones, you know, you take them with you everywhere. They're, 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 they're basically monitoring everything. I mean, everyone just share this right now. Just share this broadcast. Uh, why? We're kind of dumb then. So you're not dumb because you've got that little protector on your phone. And and you know who else isn't dumb is Zuckerberg. I saw on some video he was doing that his phone had one of those protective things. And I thought, well, so, okay. Uh, I've thought about this, how it can hear everything you're saying. And I'm, I wonder, well, if I'm uh, playing a video loudly on my phone or if I play my Bible app actually fairly often, um, will that mask or stop them from hearing, do you think?
1: Not necessarily. Uh, (laughs) The same way that you might be listening to music in your car Mm -hmm. and you invoke either Alexa or Siri uh, in order to answer a text, but you still have the music playing in the background, it does pick up your voice. There is voice recognition on top of the recording that's occurring there.
0: Wow. And how do they, what do you think in our world? Do you think that governments, um, like in Canada, you wonder, oh, like, can, can the prime minister spy on one particular person? Uh, is, is this easily accessible? Like, would the RCMP or, or the police state be able to access an American's private conversations and video um, if they suspect, I don't know, something, or if they don't suspect anything.
1: Yeah, in fact, uh, Edward Snowden is the one that disclosed all of this uh, at first. Mm. That he was showing how they were tracking terrorists and their activities, and they were actually watching them through their cameras on their laptops. Oh. So, uh, you know, but of course, at that time, most people are in favor of this because, hey, we're going after and we're getting... That's right we're getting the terrorists but they never imagined that this that this technology would be turned on them and that's what essentially the patriot act Act did in the united states it allowed the government to start surveilling the u.s citizen citizenry and then on top of that the the, uh, psychological warfare that is going on during the obama administration it used to be illegal to uh propagandize the American population, Uh, and after Obama signed his NDAA, that was no longer illegal. And that's why we're seeing the psychological warfare going on, the citizenry right now.
0: Do you think this is the kind of stuff that could be used to blackmail somebody? Like if there's a high-level leader, and uh, his phone shows everybody that he's getting prostitutes, uh, he's having these conversations that are very illicit. He's buying drugs, whatever. And they've got access to that kind of information. Could that be used then uh, in the wrong hands, obviously, um, to to blackmail someone?
1: Absolutely. Hunter Biden.
0: Right. Now, Hunter Biden, <laughs> yeah. Now they kind of got a hold of his laptop, right? So he kind of handed it over. And and it's a very good point. But Let's say Hunter hadn't done that. Would they? Well, I mean, they're getting his emails, I guess, and they're finding tracking of, of checks and stuff that have come to the Biden family.
1: Yeah, that's what's so um, ridiculous about the story with Hillary Clinton and the whole bleach bit, um, you know, story that came out back when she was secretary of state and how they were hammering their their cell phones that just shows their ignorance because they were sitting there using Gmail accounts uh, and you know transmitting information over uh, non-secure channels. And the truth is, even with Hunter Biden, they didn't need his laptop. All the information that he was transmitting across the public internet was already archived. So all they had to do was go into the NSA facility and pull up all of that information anyway. It wasn't a matter of Needing to get to that laptop. Mm. and that's that's what is so uh, ludicrous about the stories coming out of the FBI, uh, so on and so forth, you know, getting the 50 uh, officials to sign the letter that the you know about uh, uh, you know the Russian hoax uh, story and everything else, and that the Hunter Biden laptop wasn't real. they already knew it was real. They didn't need the laptop.
0: Wow. Okay. So what do you do? You're a cybersecurity guy and you have, you have the intel on what they're capable of doing. So, okay, let me ask you this about one of those little, uh, what do you call those little pouches, JT? We have a couple of them. Case. Yeah, a Faraday case. Will, will that, it, do you vouch for Faraday cases?
1: Yeah, uh, if they're the right type and, and what you're trying to do. Um That, you know, the biggest thing you want to do there is to protect your electronics during an EMP attack, uh, perhaps, Mm. so they don't, uh, you know, surge and, uh, you know, burn out your your chips. A lot of people don't think about their their vehicles. Uh, Most automobiles now run with chips, and if those chips don't function, you can't start your car. So if you have an EMP attack, you're not going to start your car uh, if it's a newer model, and you probably have to go back to what, uh, 2,000 or so if you wanted to find a car that wasn't running on a chip. Um, So, you know, and there are ways to protect your car, your vehicle as well. Uh, They can be a little bit expensive though, but those are things that you would connect to your battery and then you would protect it from any kind of a surge that an EMP uh, type of dirty bomb uh, would set off.
0: Well, what about the future of carbon your carbon footprint and that you'll have no like if you've driven too far, they might be able to just shut your car off uh, and, and not allow you to go. Oh, you've already used up your gas mileage or you know the amount you're allotted.
1: Yeah, and all that information is already on your phone. If you've ever used the Find My app on an iPhone, for example, you can watch um, anybody within your group live. Right. And you can watch them driving down the road and, you know, it's very accurate. And all of that information is, uh, again, it's archived. It's not just in real time and then it disappears. Um, That's what a lot of people don't think about when it comes to the surveillance is that it's archived. We do some surveillance ourselves on our network, but we're doing it on behalf of our customers, not to uh, do something nefarious with our customers. So if a customer came to us and said, you know, we're having a problem with uh, bandwidth consumption in the office, we don't know what's going on. We can easily go into our archived, uh, logged data and say, oh, well, you know, you've got three employees who are Netflixing movies in the middle of the day, you know, and here are their <laughs> IP addresses and, you know, and, and here's their identity, Right. you know, so, so we can do things like that. And then we can go back, you know, multiple years to find this out. We can say, well, what was the date that you were noticing a problem? And they'll give us the date and we'll go right to the logs to that date. So it's not, you know, a lot of people think about surveillance in terms of catching you at the time, but, uh, and you made a very, you brought up a good question, which is when you become a person of interest, that's when they'll go to the archives and say, okay, what was Laura, what was Cyrus doing on such and such date, at such and such time.
0: They were talking to each other and giving away the secrets. That's what they were That's doing. Right. And I'm a little bit concerned um, as t- you know, time and life goes on that the social credit score uh, is going to be affected when we're known to, you know, I guess private conversations could be being recorded. You know, you're driving down the highway, you're talking to your spouse about intimate Uh, details on on your personal thoughts about what's going on in the world and if that doesn't line up with let's say the liberal party or the democrats and they've got this intel and it's suddenly free speech is not free anymore and you're not allowed to believe certain things um, they're making your country out to be a very scary place right now in how um they're well first of all the the you know, the double justice system, how they treat Trump and how they treat Biden. But but people are, you know, what what's happened recently with these uh, presidents of the universities, uh, they're, they treat everybody a bit different. Like, God forbid that you said that all, uh, you know, Chinese people should be slaughtered or you said all black people should be, um, that it's okay to, you know, slaughter those people, that would be treated differently than these MIT presidents who didn't seem to be able to kind of conclusively call October 7th a terrorist attack.
1: Right, Um, I mean, that's exactly right. And you know, this is why we have certain amendments in the US Constitution because, you know, the colonists were facing the same type of tyranny um, from King George at the time you know, our fourth amendments. I mean, all of these things came up out of the experience that they had. And, you know, part of the, the reason why they were forcing citizens to house the soldiers was so that, so that soldiers could spy on their conversations and their private thoughts they were having at home. So, but now we have to be conscious of the devices that we have on ourselves. Um, you know, when we're going to have certain conversations at home, we actually sometimes just take our phones and stick them in a drawer somewhere. And then we go have our conversation, uh, because we know that those devices are recording things and we know it in the simplest of terms. Uh, you know, you might be talking about rakes, for example, and suddenly you're seeing ads on the sides of the websites you visit about all the rakes that are on sale. So, you know, if they can do that, then they can do that with anything that's coming out of your mouth.
0: Yeah, you are exactly right. You could have like some issue going on and all of a sudden they're advertising to you things that very personally you would want. I've seen it happen, uh, even psychological like counseling things. Um, they'll, they'll just suddenly they'll have it available to you. And this I remember this on Facebook years ago going, how is it giving me such really personal, uh, ads that they would, should, you know, are obviously knowing that, uh, this is something I've talked about. So, um, so you, so basically we should start getting used to, I mean, maybe we have to get rid of these things one day. We have to maybe decide how to have simpler lives. That might be more important. Easier said than done. Like how do we function without our phones anymore? We get all our emails everywhere we go. We have texts. We need to talk to our families. We need to have communication. So maybe it's not uh, possible to really get rid of it. Although I know people that don't have phones at all. But when you look at this, is it must be somewhat disconcerting to you, having such intimate knowledge of this field, that that we we've invited the enemy to our privacy into our hands every day we're talking to it looking at it it's taking pictures of us doing whatever and and this is our reality this is very actually terrifying i think this is take this conversation's taken a terrible turn (laughs) i mean it's scary i uh i
1: I have a tendency to uh bring people's moods down a little bit when we talk about these things (laughs) right um but uh, I can tell you, and my, my wife can vouch for me, uh, I told her, she was then my girlfriend in 1992, when the internet was becoming much more pervasive. And I told her, you know, I, I'm very concerned about the future. Um, I did not imagine everything that's going on today back in 1992, but I understood that by us shrinking the world, that there was going to be more bad coming in than good going out. Mm -hmm. And I was always very concerned about that interconnectivity that we were going to have. And so all of those things, you know, it's, um, you know, familiarity breeds contempt uh, is maybe one way to say it or distance uh, makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, you know, there were, there were a lot of things people didn't know about the United States and the goings on internally. And there were a lot of things we didn't know about outside of the United States and what was going on over there. And, you know, in a lot of ways it kind of protected us. Uh, but now all of these very nefarious ideas, nefarious attitudes, um, you know, my parents came from countries where you greased palms in order to get things done. And that wasn't the way America operated. Uh, but now many of these attitudes that are foreign to most Americans have become so pervasive that they're just every day, uh, you have to almost expect them.
0: Wow. What about people like Yuval Noah Harari? Uh, this very, uh, sick man who basically is, uh, you know, a uh, a godless um, person who wants mankind to elevate to basically being like gods, you know. Um, They're saying this and they want this transhumanism. You must be as well um, seeing that this is getting closer and closer to becoming our reality daily.
1: Yeah, I mean, there really is a demonic component to this, you know, when you you can talk about what we would say is, is rational, uh, in terms of the argument about, you know, your opinion being, you know, not in agreement with somebody like Yuval Harari. But when you really look at what he is saying about humanity, uh, you know, he, he walks this fine line between advocating for, um, you know, crimes against humanity, and what he is saying philosophically. And he basically, you know, if you look at these WEF meetings, which I'm sure you have, uh, where he says that, what do we need humans for? You know, we'll just give them video games and drugs and, you know, because they're useless to us. And this is where the artificial intelligence on on the technology side is coming in for these people as well. Uh, They think that they can feed us whatever they need to through the artificial intelligence and make the artificial intelligence look as if it's giving us information from a neutral standpoint. But the reality is, is they're going to make sure that it gives the narrative that they want to give.
0: Can you see the day where you kind of said a few minutes ago, which kind of triggered my, my mind to this, but you said where they seem to be able to read your thoughts. I mean, already they're, they're hearing us. So they're, they're, they have, um, they have insight into what we're thinking and dealing with. But what about that day when, like Elon Musk and planting these chips and things like that, that he's talking about. I, I, I usually like Elon and then I don't know if he's bad or good, you know, if he's propelling us towards a a crazy world or he's giving us X where we can say anything that we want generally. And he's for free speech and he's really coming against some of the, the big players I think that are harming us like, uh, you know, Facebook and, and uh, Disney, Microsoft, whatever, that they're no longer going to be, you know, uh, advertising on his platform because he's basically said, I don't care about your money. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to do what's right. So I kind of like that aspect of him. But then here's a guy who wants to put chips in everybody's head.
1: Yeah. And the other aspect of this is profiling. How many years have we been told that it's a racist thought to profile somebody and all of this information gathering that they're doing on is is nothing but profiling so they're going to look at not only your comments but the places you go the the places you frequent do you are you a regular church goer um, were you did you happen to be at the capitol during January 6 um, were you in support of certain things so they're All of this is to build a profile on you and uh yeah as far as the nanotechnology and having these chips implanted uh you know there are a lot of people who have already volunteered for this because they think it's so cool technologically that they can stick something in their hand and now i don't need to carry my phone with me because inside my hand on this chip is my passport my uh my you know, digital currency, uh, my health information. So I'm just going to go into the grocery store and let them scan my hand and I'll walk out with my groceries. I don't even need a person there at the point of sale. So, you know, they're, they're convincing everybody to put these things into their body. And it, again, it's about convenience, you know, and what did Benjamin Franklin say about security and convenience? You know, if you want to give up your freedom in order to have a little security, he said, you, you deserve neither. So you know, this is what we're doing. Uh, people, um, they like the convenience of what the technology does, and then they're also sometimes they use a fear tactic too. You know, you should have this passport so that we do know whether you're vaccinated, so you're not going to get COVID and die. You know, all of these these this fear mongering, uh, and then they make these devices um, necessary necessities in order to function in society. I have a daughter at university. She has to have a Facebook account in order to function on campus. She doesn't have a choice. Mm. Um, So, and then how many of us, like my father, he's, he never goes on Facebook. Yet his picture is all over Facebook because Mm. he knows people who know him and took a picture at a function and they posted it on Facebook. And now his face has already been mapped uh, to his identity. Right. And, uh, you know, all of these things. And this is this is the problem with the technology. It's becoming too pervasive.
0: Wow. And and that was really freaky when um, uh, Facebook started tagging my face in some friend's picture, like complete I'm not even they didn't even say it was me. It would just tag my face in their picture. Um, So that that that's very alarming. So so maybe it's already done. Like um, some people have said, oh, like don't use those QR codes and stuff like that, you know, that you can go to a restaurant, you can do the QR code and it pops up the, the thing. Or if you want to send someone your contact or put it on a big screen at an event, you know, we've had these freedom. And I'm like, but GPS knows where you are all the time. So hmm. we're, 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 already, we're already being tracked and traced by it but we don't wanna use the convenience of it. And I said, I just, I'm not certain that that's the hill to die on, that we don't use the QR code. Um, however, so I'm betting that as you're looking forward in your personal life, you're making decisions every day about where your phone is uh, for, for what you're dealing with. Even, even I'm, I'm guessing as a, a security expert, there's things you don't want anyone knowing and even talking to a client that you would want to be protective of what even they're asking you potentially. So are you making those kinds of decisions to be protective of, of security for yourself?
1: Um, I am, but you could make the argument that my even being on your show is a breach of that security. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and I've been on other podcasts as well. And Mm -hmm. at some point, Have to make a decision. Am I going to leave this world better off for my kids and the future of humanity? Or am I going to stick my neck out and do something about it? And that's why I talk about these things and I try to alert people as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Personally, yeah, I make decisions all the time. In fact, some people mock me because I don't do certain things. They say, well, you're a tech guy. Shouldn't you have certain things in your house? And I say, well, actually, no. If you knew exactly what the some of that technology was doing in your house, you wouldn't have it either or what they plan to do with it in the future. For example, um, why should I have a smart thermostat in my house? All of my thermostats are dumb. Uh, I don't want the power company coming in and telling me how much I'm going to heat or cool my home Uh, and, you know, and that's what they're going to do with these um, smart type of devices or how many people have had their children with their baby cams um, and they're using them over the internet. Uh, and so these are what they call IOT or internet of things. They are infamous for being insecure devices. And now you've got some guy halfway around the world talking to your child in their crib through the the baby oh. cam. And also looking at them on that baby cam. So Having you know,
0: private intel.
1: Right. So you, you're, you're bringing these things in. And if you don't understand... I'll give you a quick story. I don't want to suck up too much of the air, but That's great. just to drive the point home, um, my insurance broker happens to live two doors down from me, and he's a huge Green Bay Packers fan. And I decided to scan our neighborhood on the Wi-Fi and just to see what was going on in the air around us. And I saw a Wi-Fi network out there that said, go Packers. And I said, Oh, gee, I wonder who that is because there aren't that many Packers fans around in our neighborhood. And so, um, I looked at it, I noticed the uh, encryption algorithm that was being used. I, I noticed that it was weak. So we were talking out in the driveway and I said, i said hey uh, i just need you to know that i saw your wi-fi network and i think you really need to change your encryption protocol to a more secure one he says oh i don't worry about that nothing's gonna happen so i went back home i i came back to him the next day in the driveway and i handed him a yellow piece of paper and he said what is this and i said it's the password to your wi-fi network (laughs) and And I said, I just want you to know that I was on your network. I saw your HP printer. I saw your laptop. I said, I was in your cable modem. I was using your internet for a little while. (laughs) I said, and then I got out. And he looked at me and he didn't know whether to punch me or or to thank me. And I said, I'm just trying to make a point here. I said, and here's the scary part. Any eight-year-old or 13-year-old can go on YouTube and learn how to download the software to do this and watch the video of what commands to type, and they can do the same thing that I just did, even though they have no idea or education about what it is that they're actually doing. They don't need to know. As long as they know the steps, they can follow the directions and they can just do it.